Welcome back, nerds, to the Game of Nerds podcast, where there's no shame in having an unhealthy obsession with a fandom. I'm your host, Shannon, and on today's episode, we're talking all about Disney villains. Joining me today, we have Katie Ohashi, Disney villain scholar, college educator, and mom. How are you today? Good. How are you? Thanks for inviting me. I I am so excited to have a mom on here. We're like unicorns. Nerdy moms are few. (laughs) I get to talk shop and passion. Love this. I'm so excited. Before we jump into all Disney things, let's take care of podcast business. And what are you obsessing about? What's taking your money? Oh, taking my money. Um, So there's a couple things. There is this thing called Manny Me. They're like sticker nails. I'm not, I'm not a manicure person. But also, I've never been able to use sticker nails before because they, I don't remember what it's called, but it's something where you have like super wide thumbnails. But um, apparently there's a term for it. And the Manny Me will actually take pictures of your nails next to objects so they can yeah. like make you specific size. Yeah. Size. Yeah. And then you can change it later. Like, yeah, I've just kind of been obsessing over that as the first time that like gel nails have ever fit on me before. And all you do is stick it on and that's it. And you're done. And yeah. so far, um, they've been on my fingers for a week. They started peeling after day four, but then I just clipped my nails, like the tips, and now they're fine again. So, I mean, they'll probably last me another week. But yeah, I like them. And then they also have like a top coat and it I, I timed it. It dries in 15 seconds. <gasps> mm-hmm. It's not tacky or nothing. It's just... Okay, now matte finished. or gloss. I like the matte. I'm the plain person, but I am starting to move into the glitter and other things. And I realized once you're a mom, it kind of... You can't help it. You kind of get drawn to it. You're like, I need something that's a little bit wild, a little bit crazy (laughs) in my life. Well, I always had my nails done. Like that was a religious like thing for me. And then COVID hit and all the salons (laughs) shut down. And it was like, I've been looking at things like that, where it's just like easy put on and yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of money and you have to be in like what every two to four, you know, depending on your length and how often you go anywhere from two to four weeks. It's like, it adds up too fast. My latest obsession, I'm fully invested in Falcon Winter Soldier. Um, oh, yes. I had a real problem with WandaVision to the point that I absolutely no. hated it. Um, I just felt like it was a waste of time. As a, <gasps> When I sit down to watch something, I want it to be good. I don't want my time wasted. I felt like those first four episodes, like you wasted four oh, yeah. hours well, of like my life. First, I will yeah. never get back. Yeah, yeah. I got you so there. It was just for me, that was that. But Falcon Winter Soldiers like dropping me back into the MCU. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is about Sebastian Stan, but I just give me my mm-hmm. cinnamon bun. I want all mm-hmm. the Sebastian Stan. I'm 100% sold. I just want more Bucky. Mm-hmm. Give me all the Bucky. He's like serious, but then he has those funny one-liners. <laughs> yeah. And well, I love how we're seeing the emotional side on him and oh, yeah, how the, much the he's after, grown. The the char- yeah. Mm-hmm. The character development there. I think it just makes him more relatable as a character mm-hmm. and you just feel for him. And without spoiling it, this last episode just gets in is more buckiness and okay. just like we all know that I have a Winter Soldier obsession. So uh, this is not anything new. This is why we got Tara, who explains parasocial relationships on Game of Nerds now, because she's now telling me how my brain is functioning (laughs) when it comes to Sebastian Stan. So this is really going to be the first podcast on Disney for the Game of Nerds, which if anybody knows me, they know my sister-in-law is the Disney queen. I love She knows everything about Disneyland, Disney, but villains is not her thing. When I told her this you know, episode was coming out, she goes, okay, I'll finally listen to your podcast now. And I'm like, oh, thanks. So thank you for getting my sister-in-law to finally listen to my podcast. Yeah, I'll say uh, all with the this things. Episode. She'll listen the whole way through. Uh, 
but you have a podcast about Disney villains. Can you explain this and how this got started? I'm so interested in this. Yeah. So actually this whole podcast idea got started because of a college assignment. So I was in grad school going for my master's degree and I was doing an independent study. And my advisor who was um, grading my project at the end of the quarter was like, I want you to do something different. I want you to prove your work in a different way. Don't do a paper because that's what college tells you to do. That's what school tells you to do. Do something different. Do a picture, do a video, podcast, anything that is different than what college and school tell you to do. Like, okay. So I was like, I'll try something that's like a podcast. So I'll just like fake a, like, let's pretend that I already have a podcast and this is just another episode of that podcast. So I did an entire breakdown in character analysis of Regina Mills from Once Upon a Time, who plays the evil queen from Snow White. Yeah. So I just watched the entire season one through seven and I did an entire breakdown of her life. I took super extensive notes and I just did this entire in-depth study of her through an hour and a half long podcast episode. (laughs) And he was like, I'm going to listen to it. And he said it was great. And he was like, you have a nice voice. And I recorded it on my phone using the, was it the voice memos app? Memos, yep, yep. Also wasn't really that shy talking into a phone compared to talking in front of an audience, you know? Skip ahead like a year and a half later after graduating, I had a baby and I was on maternity leave. So I was like, oh, yeah. God, I need to do something with my life that motivates Gets me you back yeah, into, it. into my groove. Yeah. And also because I like was literally just starting to work. And I'm like, no, I'm going to work full time. I'm going full head first, deep dive back into work. Because most people who are on maternity leave, you might like start part time going back to work yep. and then kind of ease back into full time to catch up. And yep. I was like, I had nothing to do. I was my students didn't realize I came back for an entire month, even though I spammed them with emails and everything nothing. So I was like, I got nothing to do for this month, even though I'm working full time. Time, yeah. And so I was like, maybe I should start a podcast on my breaks or something and kind of like explore, do my research. Like, how do you do it? What do you need? And so that's kind of where I got started. The first two episodes was about my paper that I did because I did do a separate paper about Disney villains. And then um, I also did a professional development workshop for the college I work for about Disney villains, did my normal workshop presentation. And that was the first two episodes. Oh, my God. I love hearing these stories of people who are like following their heart and their passion, because if anything, I think having a kid kind of resorts your priorities and you get this time is not infinite. Oh, yeah. We're, ru- we're constantly going to be running against the clock. And so you you got to try everything and do yeah. these things because you don't want to go later in life and be like, oh, well, I, I didn't try. And I admire your passion. And Thank you. holy moly, as a mom to go balls back into work and do all this. Bravo. Bravo. I think being in a master's program helped with that a lot because I did go to school full time while working full time. So I was used to that schedule where you have no time for yourself. And also my school was an hour and a half away from where I am. So I'd have to drive an hour and a half to get to class twice a week and then drive all the way back at like 11 p.m. I was already conditioned for it. Pregnancy was kind of like my break between all of that. Totally oh understand gosh. that. And building a podcast alone, you know, you've, that is a whole learning curve. Oh, yeah. You know, so like yeah. Disney's kind of broad. Why villains, though? 
So my undergrad degree is in social work in that we learned a lot about our own biases with uh, specific social identities and kind of just how to navigate and how to understand everyone's side of the story. I did a lot of workshops around intersectionality because of it and how, you know, you could say this identity, but really we're talking about intersections with other identities because no one is ever just one identity. It's not just about your race. It's also about your age. It's also about your gender. It's also about your sexual orientation, your nationality, your, you know, your first, the first language you spoke. It's so many other factors. And then also, um, I don't know if you've seen, um, Team Starkid on YouTube has a musical, a parody musical called Twisted, the Untold Story of a Royal Vizier, uh, which is basically, for anyone who doesn't know, Twisted, the Untold Story of a Royal Vizier is basically Jafar's perspective in the movie Aladdin, but in a musical format and also making fun of Disney making fun of Disney buying out Pixar because that was around the time that it happened. And so also making fun of Pixar. So Disney is one kingdom. Pixar is another kingdom. And they're having this giant war against each other. My advisor, who was grading my assignment, we were talking and we kind of turned it from that musical to why not talk about every Disney villain? How could we flip all of their stories? How are all of these villains actually being oppressed in the way that this musical is saying that they are? So it's like um, Ursula is being oppressed because she's a female and she wants to take charge and she wants to be a leader and she is outspoken. And so she is suppressed and banished for trying to be a female leader or Scar who, you know, uh, wanted to unify all of the species and races. And then for that, he was shunned. The one exception is Cruella de Vil because you can't really justify killing puppies. And this is kind of why we're talking because Cruella is just about to to drop yes. uh, when this episode releases. You know, Cruella will just be about to hit Disney Plus. The, the whole Disney Plus, I've kind of talked about it on previous episodes, which kind of, you know, like the villains were the first ones really to kind of get that with Maleficent, things yeah. like that. Yeah. What are some of the most popular villains that everyone kind of goes to? I think it depends on who you're talking to, because most of the time when you're talking to people who grew up in the 80s and 90s, it's always going to be Ursula, uh, maybe also Jafar, I would say, mm-hmm. are kind of like the top two. Um, but funny enough, the Lion King often seems to be forgotten. And I don't know why, because it seems like it's such a huge, popular movie and musical. But yeah, people always forget. Um, but yeah. yeah, Ursula and Jafar are really big ones. Maleficent is also a really huge one. I would say uh, sometimes also Scar. Scar is usually one that a lot of people mention. If we're if we're going down the list after that would be like the evil queen from Snow White. Cruella Deville, I would also say is a huge one. Um, same with Gaston, but not for the reasons that people may think, at least when I am in conversation and people are like, oh, yeah, Gaston. But usually it's because they're making fun of the song about him. So usually that's the only context for bringing up guest on uh but yeah. he is you know also in the 90s i usually deem them as like the the quote-unquote diva villains usually the diva villains are the ones that everyone remembers you know the ones where you snap your fingers and you're like yes girl yes queen like you know get it yeah. and so the the ones that you would identify in that you know are definitely maleficent ursula and curla the vil for sure well, and you're talking about, you know, guest on, I put like in a whole different category. Really, I think villains depends on how bad the person that comes to mind the most is Loki in the MCU. Yes. We know he's bad. We inherently know he's bad, we but we freaking love him. <laughs> and that may be because it's Tom Hiddleston and he's created this character that we just cannot get enough of. But like Gaston, 
we look at him and he's no, he's just a cocky, arrogant guy who wants Bell. He's a real dude. But, but then things like Maleficent from day one, Maleficent was bad. We knew she was one. The minute she walked on the screen, it oh, was yeah. bad. We knew she was bad. Mm-hmm. It, it just amazes me how many different levels to villains that we have. Yeah, like, there's so many. Gaston's one on one end of the spectrum, and like Maleficent and Ursula, these really evil. I mean, Captain Hook is kind of somewhere in the middle because yeah. we see him kind of flounder which way. Sometimes he's good. So now I'm going to ask a true professional here who's who knows about Disney villains. What the hell is going on with Pete? I don't know. I mean, I think of Pete as like um, kind of like a frenemy where he's super antagonistic and he's like an antihero. Right. But at the end of the day, he would be our ally if there was a bigger evil to thwart. <laughs> If, if that yeah. makes sense. My husband goes, I feel like he's the friend in the group that everybody hates, but nobody <laughs> yeah. wants to tell yeah, him exactly. that we don't want to hang out with you yeah. because then we become the mean kid. For me, it just kind of sends mixed signals as a, oh, you know, sure. like as a childcare professional. I'm like, like literally one episode, Pete is the bad guy. And then the next episode, we're helping Pete get coconuts. Like, thank you for semi-clarifying the Pete concept. <laughs> I've never been asked but that it, before. Nobody ever brings up like Mickey and, and all of his, well, friends. I would quote friends. But in a podcast with on child, children's television on the Game of Nerds podcast, Marie brought up a great point. Everybody is Mickey's bitch. So yes. we just need to accept it. Like toodles, everybody. We're oh all Mickey's gosh. bitch. Yes. Just deal with it. Yeah, I had read a scholarly essay about Donald Duck and how he is purposely emasculated because he's the only one who doesn't wear pants. But yeah, there was there was also something about Mickey and how he uses everybody right to his advantage. There's an episode where Donald takes over and it's Donald's clubhouse. That's the only episode Donald gets. But the fact that there's scholarly reviews and articles Uh about Disney characters like we've gone that far in society and pop culture that that we are now taking these and ripping these apart and using them as examples just blows my mind like oh I have a whole bookshelf on books about this oh my god like but that amazes me because you know the world has changed since we were kids. Yes. And, and I think that's just, that's mind blowing to me that, that we get to now do what we love. And, mm-hmm. and, and like we say, our kids are napping right now. Yeah. We're talking about Disney Village. Life is good yeah. <laughs> with a cup of coffee. Oh yeah. We both got our coffee. Everything's great. Well, let's jump into, I, this whole podcast is about Disney villains basically. So yes. I figure let's just talk about, we've gotten the most popular ones, but there are a lot of Disney villains that go unmentioned that don't get enough props and ones that we probably like Mm -hmm. that nobody ever talks about. So uh, would you like to engage in a conversation of our favorite, you know, Disney villains that probably don't get enough props? You can go ahead with your first choice. Okay. So one, I hate saying this, but one of my, like my guilty pleasure favorite Disney villains is Cruella DeVille. Um, because she is a hardcore feminist. And when did the movie come out? It came out like in the 60s or 70s or something, the animated one. And I'm like, that is pretty, yeah. that is super like ahead of its time. She is outspoken about it. She doesn't care what everybody else thinks. Like she's everything that you would be like, yeah, she is a boss. She's a boss babe and she owns it and she's not backing down at all. I love the power behind Quella DeVille. I just can't get behind mm-hmm. the killing puppies part. Like I'm so excited for this movie because I really want to see how, how they're gonna do how it. we got how we got to hating puppies mm-hmm. here. Like not Boston Terriers, not German Shepherds, Dalmatians. Yeah. That's what I have a thing for. And other pl- other forms of 
parodies of Cruella DeVille have not been able to justify it either, which is going to be really interesting, like the Twisted musical. And then in Once Upon a Time, they show that she was traumatized by Dalmatian dogs. So that kind of makes sense. But it also kind of hints that she had a some kind of mental illness that made her want to kill everything because she literally yeah. wants to murder everything. Uh, yeah, she's just so angry with life. Yeah. That I, I get that feeling. And that's why I think I love Emma Stone mm. because she any I have yet to see her in anything that she can't act in. Mm-hmm. So when they announced she was going to be Coella DeVille, I said, oh, that's the only one who's going to be able to do this mm-hmm. because really there are no other actresses who can encompass that much fury and anger. It still come off cutesy and, you know, like, yeah, I was saying, uh, you know, you know Close did a really good job. But I don't know about the cutesy factor. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah and that's why i think she she's going to we're gonna to have to see this whole the story with her uh my guilty pleasure is hades mm. um he's usually my gif form like i feel like he's just my mood mm-hmm. like everything's hades i always tell my husband note to self maim you after my meeting like he's super sassy I, and he uses nicknames which I don't think any other villain does. He feels very relatable, yeah. but I also like Crowley and Supernatural. So maybe that's the reason why <laughs> I've just got like this dark and twisty underworld thing going. What's another one for you that you uh, guiltily, pleasurely love? Uh, Jafar. Uh, I really like the voice, Jonathan Freeman. I saw him live on Aladdin on Broadway. Yeah, I was just blown away. I was like, who else could play Jafar? Because he has such a unique voice. Very evil. It's very, I mean, like greasy and theatrical and dramatic. And But he can also sing. Other villains can sing, of course. But it's, it's kind of nice when you have a villain who not only does the speaking lines, but also sings the role. Kind of like Pat Carroll yeah. with Ursula. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really love Jafar. He scared the crap out of me as a kid. Like my husband's like, that was my favorite movie. I was like, he scared the crap out of me. But my husband laughs. He goes, but the great mouse detective and Radigan is okay. He goes, that's not scary as shit. And I said, no, apparently not. Yeah, that's why it's Man. a guilty pleasure. They're all guilty uh, pleasures. Yeah. One recently that just popped up because a Funko, they made one into a Funko that I was like, wow, they kind of stretch on that one was Madame Mims. But recalling on my childhood, how much I loved her, like what a great character that changed so much just within her short span of in that movie. It wasn't like she was in the the whole movie or anything like she was in there a short little what is it like five, 10 minutes. But I feel like she was just she was a good one that didn't get enough. Eddie, Eddie. Yeah, no credit. So. I mean, not one that I necessarily like, but one that I kind of applaud just for spending like so much time is like Mother Gothel. (gasps) She is like passive aggressively evil. Maleficent level evil. Like you have to wait 16 years for this this girl to prick her finger. You're investing a lot of time Mm -hmm. and energy into this. But you also have to raise her. And teach her how to, you know, be an independent person. And I mean, you could argue she was really teaching her hair how to be an independent person because that's really who she was talking to. But, you know, you have to invest in 18 years of raising this child who is going to keep you young forever and but not tell her that that is why she is living with you. And you got to, you know, handle all the tantrums, all the dirty diapers, you know, you got nights. (laughs) I'm like, that's a huge investment, especially when you've been living alone for like hundreds of years. Yeah, that's a huge change. But she was gonna get that hair. She see her priority was that hair. She just wanted to live forever. Mm-hmm. So that that was to be so desperate. Like I'm gonna steal a child so I could live forever. Mm-hmm. But I'm willing to 
lose sleep and change diapers, you know, for so long. <laughs> just like, right. yeah. I mean, but you don't that really pro- see it or think about it on the surface level, you know? Yeah. This one's my favorite. And he's not like, I feel like he's not really a bad guy. He's just a brat. <laughs> Is is uh, Prince John yeah. and the Sheriff of Nottingham of Robin Hood? Yeah, yeah. You're not really bad or evil. Like it's like Gaston. You're just you're you're just, just a cocky asshole. Yeah. You know, like you're sucking your thumb. Cocky, you're, rich you're not boy. really. But you're not like I feel like the Sheriff of Nottingham is more of a villain in that movie than Prince John is. You know who he reminds Prince John reminds me of Cusco from Emperor's New <gasps> Groove. It's it's just so so silly because it's like. He can't do anything. He doesn't even walk up the stairs. No. And also, the, I mean, I do know that that is one of the movies. I think it's one of the only movies that has a pregnant woman in it. Um, oh, I didn't even think about that. You don't usually see pregnant women. Or if you do, it's for no. like two seconds. But she's pregnant yeah. throughout oh the entire God. movie. Oh, my God. Katie, <laughs> seriously, now my brain is spinning into some alternate dimension of, oh, my God, she's right. Wow, this got deep really fast, Disney. Thanks. Uh, you need more pregnant ladies because they make the world go round. Okay. They literally create all your characters. Tomatoa is one of the ones that my staff was like, Shannon, you have to talk about Tomatoa because is he really a villain? No, he's just a crab living at the bottom of the sea who's unaware of everything else going around him and just wants treasures. That was in one of my episodes. So I had a screenwriter on my show and she was like, he doesn't count because he's only in one scene. You have to be in more than one scene and it has to be like, you know, part of the story arc in this and that way. And also him um, in that scene is kind of like it's like the midpoint of the movie where they're trying to change from one plot, et cetera, to another and all of these things. So it's more like just shifting the story slightly. So would that make Madame Mims not a villain because she's only in that one scene? (gasps) There's my question. We've just opened more cans of worms for ourselves. But then we talk about the layers. I mean, we can talk about Sid, Sid from Toy Story. Is Sid really a evil, bad villain? No, no. he's just a kid who's unsupervised. Anything, it's, it's probably your damn parents. It's probably Woody, right? Because Woody like literally murders Buzz, just like bye. <laughs> you know, I don't need a new toy. <laughs> And he and here, once again, if we're going back to this logic of villains have to be throughout the whole movie, Sid's in like that one scene and that's it. We're moving on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's there's my whole my poking my hole in that logic. I think villains, not only are they changing the story, Mm -hmm. but they bring something to the story. Yeah. To change it. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. And like you say before, it really depends on the perspective you're looking at it. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at it from some of these movie perspective, then yeah, that character is a bad guy. But if we look at it from the villain's perspective, they may have just been helping that story along or may have had different priorities mm-hmm. in that situation. Everybody is um, the hero of their own story. Ooh, mm-hmm. That one's a good one. Mm-hmm. I always butcher the guy from the Prince, Prince and the Frog's name. Oh, the Dr. Villain. Yeah, always butcher his name. Mm-hmm. I like him. You too. I think he's a legit bad guy. My he scares the crap out of me. <laughs> my daughter, like, it just. But that movie is so good. Mm-hmm. Like, I I really don't think the princess and the frog gets enough props oh, for how great of a story it is. But yeah, I really I like the the princess frog is one of those movies that's not only just a good movie, but I think the villain fits that movie. My husband and I were talking about that movie because um, 
it's interesting because Tiana's dad is the one who passes away instead of the mom. And then we yeah. were talking about, well, technically Tiana's not the princess until the end. Technically Charlotte's the princess. We don't see Charlotte's mom. So yeah. is it like, was it kind of like somewhere reverse psychology with Disney where they're like, well, technically Charlotte's the princess. So we're following our typical trope of, you know, um, not having the mom character, only the dad character. So that's that. Then we have Tiana. We're going to reverse it because technically she's not the princess. And then at the end, she ends yeah. up being the princess. But yeah, there, yeah, there's a lot to, there's a lot of um, questions. You mentioned Scar earlier. Yeah. Usually with villains is power hungriness. Mm-hmm. But Scar really ruined a lot of things for 90s children. That movie, that was the first movie I ever saw in theaters. Oh. Uh, was Lion King. Yeah. So I, I really, yeah. Was so like dramatic and deep. Bufasa was Darth Vader. How could you do that to Vader? But yeah. For sure. But I felt like Scar was one of those people who, uh, who, definitely was scary mm-hmm. but i it really comes down to power hungry and how we were talking about the different levels a lot of these super villainous villains were power hungry people on a mission yeah, and, they used and then we have these other people like gaston and you know sid you know like they're just kind of misguided i don't think i really dived into pixar because that's another whole can of worms to yeah, to dive into of, it's hard to see it's hard to really gauge like who the actual villain is in pixar it's kind of ambiguous I feel like. So we talked about this a little bit earlier about Cuella Deville and it being awesome. You know, like we're we're excited about this, but it really came off the hills of Maleficent. Yes, and the 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 fact that Maleficent got its own sequel was unheard of. You know, for a Disney villain yeah. first getting its own standalone movie, a live action movie, mm-hmm. to have Angelina Jolie in that spot, yeah. then get a sequel. We've got Cuella. Um, do you think Maleficent? was popular because of the storyline and the story or was it because you had Angelina Jolie kind of attached to it and made it the character like Tom Hiddleston did to Loki? Yeah. I was thinking about this one because I kind of feel like it's both. I feel like for me, the story was what drew me to it, but then having Angelina Jolie attached to it kind of just like gave me that like extra boost to like push me through the theater door um because yeah. for me it's all about oh i know this it's like watching spider-man we have like four different spider-mans and they all the first movie in each one tells the exact same story <laughs> story yep. actors we know the story we already know it you don't need to redo it just do the next thing like what happens after Uncle Ben dies? That's what we want to see because we haven't seen it yet. What dimension are we in? What storyline yeah. are we going to get? Just give it, Just to, give us it to us. And so I think this is what this having the story from a different person is the same story, but from a different person's perspective. And so you see it in a completely different way. And you also get to see a character who you don't really see that much of. Like you don't know too much about her and you get to learn about her. Like, why is she doing this? What's the reasoning behind it? How does she actually live her life during those 16 years? Because we don't see her. She's just banished in this kingdom. And so getting to see all of those questions that you originally had watching the original, like that's partly what drew me in. Getting to be like answering, kind of answering all your questions that you have about watching the original. And then getting to see it like, oh, so that's what happened. Or, you know, like, oh, okay, I thought this was, but really it's that was kind of what drew me into it. And it's just fun, you know, getting to see things from 
you know, a different perspective or a parody of itself or just like changing the entire story. Like all those renditions of Hansel and Gretel, you know, yeah. they change it in every single way. Like there's an animated movie that just came out on Netflix about it and you get to see them Hansel and Gretel as adults, but then they get turned back into children and you see like how the breadcrumbs are played in and how all these other factors are. And you're like, oh, okay, like that's a different take. And I like that yeah. because it's not, you're not already anticipating or knowing what's going to happen next. You're surprised and you're entertained and you keep watching it because you want to see what happens and how it's different. So that's, I think, what draws a lot of people in. But also, you know, it's Angelina Jolie, and she does a spot-on impression of the original, I would say. She really took the character and made her her own, and that's why I said when I saw the first trailer of Cool, I was like, no, Emma Emma Stone's got this handled. I really think it's going to come down to the story and the plot mm-hmm. line of how it's written, if it's going to be good. I'm going to ask you this. Do you think it being put out on Disney Plus is going to have an effect? You know, having people pay for premiere access is going to affect how many people see it? Probably. I don't actually know how many people like 101 Dalmatians and Cruella DeVille. I, Maleficent is like one of the most popular or like the, the one you think of the most when you think of the term Disney villain. Same with Ursula. Yeah. Cruella DeVille is, is a bit down the list and no one really wants to see someone who wants to kill animals, to be honest. No one remembers Clayton. Nobody remembers all of those people. But because I don't even know how Raya and the Last Dragon is doing now. I haven't even looked into see. I haven't. I haven't even gotten to see that because here, once again, it comes down to what do I really want to see? I mean, yeah, Ryan, the Dra- Last Dragon, I've heard is wonderful. I've heard great reviews about it. Do I want to pay $30 to see it? No. Do I want to pay $30 to see Black Widow right now in the comfort of my home? Give it to me now. <laughs> but once again, if you ask me about Quella, will I pay $30 to see Quella? No, I'll just wait till it ends up on Disney Plus with the rest you know like I think Raya comes out in June so it's like all right I guess I'll wait till June to see it do you think this will spawn more Disney movies or you think that this will probably be the last one oh I don't know because I know that they have others in in the box that they have already made I don't know I feel like they're probably losing a lot of money from this so they're probably gonna wait but also you know as we both know if you don't keep distributing content then you lose people so I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to just drop it like they do with Pixar, but you're not really going to make anything off of it and it's going to end up not funding your animators and your writers and everybody else for future movies. So they don't have I was checking out and researching this morning. They don't have any official like a villains movies coming out. Everything mm-hmm. really slated is either something that, you know, animated or Marvel or it's basically taking the animated classics that we love and turning them into live actions. Like we've got Pinocchio coming. We've oh, yeah. got a live action Hercules, Sword in the Stone, mm-hmm. all these crazy movies. I don't I don't need any more live actions. Beauty and the Beast was about it for me. Like I saw that. I was like, okay, I'm entertained. Did I need it? No. Also, not Disney, but they're also doing Wicked. But see, that's different. Like Wicked is a it's kind of like the Hamilton. I'm not going to be able to go see it in theaters yeah. and everything. And so bringing that experience home mm-hmm. for my kids to be able to pause it and we go, you know, go to the bathroom and all those, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of crazy things that I value. I felt like Once Upon a Time was giving me that weekly, uh, you know, Disney take mm-hmm. in between all the movies. Yeah. I was constantly getting that fix. So by when I watch Disney, I'm looking for not only experience now, mm-hmm. but I'm also kind of learning to learn something new, too. It's all within the past few years. I feel like it tends to be a Pixar film that does it more so than just like whatever we consider like Disney without all of the additions. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like it's always Pixar. It's always Pixar, Marvel and maybe Star Wars. I don't really I don't think you really learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mostly Pixar and Marvel, I would say, is where you learn things. 
and that you, yeah. you're like, oh my God, that is like such an awesome concept. That is such an awesome performance by a specific actor or actors. All of those like high praises, I feel like tends to be Pixar, Pixar animated and Marvel. Yeah, you're, you're right. I'm going to go back to using Once Upon a Time because I feel like those we got MCU-like quality of how much weaving of oh, yeah. storytelling and not to mention there are so many guest stars who got their launch. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of people. And I also like that they had their, they got to keep whatever like dialect or accent they had, yeah. which I feel like most people don't get to do in other shows. It's always like you got to do a United States accent if you're from Australia mm -hmm. or wherever. And all of the actors in this TV series come from like all over the world and they all get to keep whatever their like standard dialect or accent is, which makes it yeah. like so universal. But also, you know, it kind of makes it, I would say, more authentic to wherever their character probably is from in the geographic. We have to think of it also this week in a, or this way in a broader sense of terms. You know, we talk about Disney and we think, oh, it's an American company, everything. But really, the basis of a lot of these stories were basic storybooks. Mm -hmm. These were stories and they are told in every country, in every language, a different way, but also in a very similar way. We all know the story of the three little pigs. Mm -hmm. We all know the story. The names may be changed and it may be in a different language, but it's still the basis of a story. Mm -hmm. And I think that was kind of the beauty of Once Upon a Time because it was weaving all of these different stories into one big massive story. And I mean, we can talk about like, you know, you had Sebastian Stan who was only on what, like seven, eight episodes, Something but he like was that. the Mad Hatter. Yeah. You know, like he, he was the Mad Hatter. That was his character. And because they were so good and MC and once again, referencing the MCU, they kept their characters consistent. Mm -hmm. It was always that character was that character. There was no ifs, ands or buts. Because they did yeah. that with Cinderella where she was in like two episodes in season one, popped up like one other time in like season four or something and then popped up one more time in season six or something like that. Oh, same yeah. person and, I, and the same husband every time. And I feel like, you know, like we talk about Jamie Chung. She was mm -hmm. big hero six voice for the movie. And she's also in shows, you know, great superhero shows like The Gifted and Gotham. She was the original Mulan on that story. Mm -hmm. That was the first time we had seen Mulan unanimated ever. And it was accurately correct. Her storyline, I thought, was one of the most beautifully done. When I was that deep into that story, I didn't think they could go that far out. Like, how are you going to tie in more of these stories? two, three seasons in and you've incorporated how many of these fairy tales that I absolutely love into one story. How are you going to get more in? <sighs> Once upon a time, mm -hmm. a gem. It really was a gem. I think it's on like Netflix and who you can watch it or what of those series. Yeah, it's on Netflix and Disney Plus. There are very few Disney movie channel shows that I can handle. Mm -hmm. You brought up one in our notes. Descendants? Mm -hmm. I was all for. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many factors like one Disney came up with like a fresh new idea based off of something that they've already done instead of redoing yeah. the entire thing. Right. So they came up with a whole new concept, a whole new idea, a whole new like set of songs and characters. And then they also show this whole concept of um, your status and basically being defined by what your parents are or did. And then, you know, yeah. showing people that you're your own person. Which, you know, yeah. is a huge lesson in and of itself. One that you don't often see with Disney because usually the parents aren't there. They're still alive and you still refer to them and they still show up every now and then. And also, you know, like the um, the actors in, in that series, they pretty much got their, it's like they got their start from that. And they've been doing so many other great things aside from one, you know, RIP. But 
Yeah, they had a whole franchise and they had a whole TV show, like an animated TV show with it. They've added, you know, other Disney child actors who have gone on to do more things like China, who um, was in Black Lightning. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a great series. I will preface that I haven't seen the last movie. You know what? All three movies were really, really done well. And this is because I'm comparing it to the zombies one that Mm -hmm. the Disney one. Yeah, no. Descendants is 10 times better than that. But yeah, the storyline, they've in the way, once again, MCU level weaved all these different stories in like once upon a time has made a quite a great movie arc and i hear there's supposed to be an animated we're getting an animated royal wedding this summer the music's good the storyline was good the fact that they use grown-ups that play the villains in these stories Mm -hmm. they're actors that we love Mm -hmm. and so when as an adult seeing them i'm like this is so cool and i think it's because they're all most of them are broadway trained this is something that they're used to but they bring those characters to life and to Mm -hmm. the t and this is where you have to tie in wicked as well because you know you have was it dove cameron who's gonna be in yeah and she got her start yeah well and she's in powder puff too she just got si- there yeah, yeah. she's oh filming powder puff I now too yesterday i was like they're adults what it's going what yeah. they look too sexy <laughs> stop yep. it's just like the harry potter we grew up with harry potter and now you know some of them have you know never long bottomed mm-hmm. up and you're like oh when did you become an adult mm-hmm. all right well i guess i'm old now <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I literally could go on and on for hours and I'm going to have to have you back. But where can our fans follow you, stalk you? What are you working on? Tell us all the good details. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at DizVillainScholar. I also have a blog, www.thedisneyvillainscholar.com for tips on how to survive and thrive through college, not to college, because I feel like everything is about college admissions, not how to actually be (laughs) successful in college. So you can find me there. Uh, You can also find the Wonderful World of Disney Villains podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Podbean. Podcast also has an Instagram account at www.ofdizvillains and a website www.wonderfulworldofdisneyvillains.com. So if you want to stay up to date, check out that website or the Instagram account. And then my side project, I have been a co-host on the Black and Yellow podcast. Yeah, so those are my those are all my things. Oh my gosh, no, I'm going to put all the links inside the show notes so that everyone can have them easily. Once again, Katie, thank you so much for coming and joining me on this on our first episode of really for Disney for the Game of Nerds podcast. If you want to catch all the latest nerd news, reviews and recommendations from video games, books, movies, television, cosplay and more, you can check it out at thegameofnerds.com. We can also be found on all major social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr and YouTube as the Game of Nerds. You can subscribe to the Game of Nerds podcast on Google Spotify, or Apple Podcasts so you don't miss out on any new episodes. Remember, when you play for the Game of Nerds, you either level up or respawn.